Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And here we are. Welcome back, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. We've got an exciting show ahead for us today uh, with a very, very cool community member who you may or may not know, depending on on what your exposure has been to Mesosphere. Uh, Of course, there's much more to uh, our guest than Mesosphere, but we're going to kind of focus around that today. Uh, With that, I'd like to welcome... Michael Hausenblas to the show. And uh, Michael, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us how we can find you online. And then we're going we're gonna to open with talking about DCOS and some of the cool things that you've been working on. All right, Eric. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, and uh, kudos, you totally pronounced my name correctly, which is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> uh, my, name, my name is Michael. I'm a uh, uh, Distributed Systems Chester, or my official title would be Developer Advocate, and um, working at Mesosphere before that uh, was at Hadoop Vendor MapR, and before that I was in, in research. And uh, at Mesosphere, I'm looking after the wonderful open source project DCOS. So you find that at dcos.io. And there we essentially uh, we open sourced that uh, in April and together with 60 launch partners and, and uh, building a wonderful community. Uh, essentially, it's a distributed operating system, and uh, you can run pretty much anything from containers to uh, you know big data workloads, Spark and Kafka and Cassandra and whatnot. And uh, yeah, working with and in the community, doing tooling demos and, and uh, you know speaking engagements as you do. You know. Yeah, luckily I, I I run in similar circles, and and that's what's neat. I've we I've had conversations with a few other folks on you know both the the traditional, which is funny that it's now traditional technology evangelist role, which a lot of it sort of serviced the the operations crowd, and there was a lot of focus on you know elevating IT through evangelism, and then we realized that it's more than just the ops crew. It just happened to be that there was a lot of ops folks that were doing this evangelism and then you come from the other side of it in a way and it, it around developer advocacy and i love this distributed systems gesture that's like a, the best title i've ever heard <laughs> but hey shh, don't don't tell it anyway that's right. Anymore, right it's just between you and me right and five people <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh you know so let's actually start with that you know where did where did your role in developer advocacy become something that you saw was a, an opportunity, and, and when did it become kind of your full-time gig? Right, right. So I was for the longest time in research, applied research, research fellow, leading a research group, and so on, and looked at myself, you know, mid-30 and thought, well, what is the part that I really like to do? And it was, uh, like, like and be good at something, right, this, this, um, this combination of you you really enjoy it, and you you know you you're getting results. You're getting you know uh, you see that what you're doing actually has an impact. And that was where I said, all right, I'm not really a researcher. I don't see myself uh, you know becoming a professor one day. I'm better 
um, at actually trying to summarize and abstract complicated things like distributed systems are usually. And you know, if you're if you're not good enough to actually write these distributed systems, then you're probably good enough to, to explain them or also <laughs> what's the thinking. No, I you know, I I certainly I, I didn't really find myself actually writing. I, I operated and, and built and architected systems, but I you know, this this coding, this you know, brilliance in, in having the patience to sit down and really come up with a nifty algorithm, whatever, that's not me. I'm I'm throwing together, you know, demos and stuff. And one of my former colleagues at, at the research institute actually called me the master of quick and dirty, right? And that is what it is. It's this, you know, demo and, and so on, demos, putting together demos and so on. And I said, okay, uh, I want to I want to move to industry. And uh, Mapper at that time, uh, in my previous company, they just opened up the European uh, operations. And I, I was contributing to, to another open source project called Apache Drill, which recently, I believe, uh, now, yeah, the fourth year it, it celebrated its fourth birthday, and wow. uh, through that I, I joined I joined MapR. Um, I was chief data engineer there, and and uh, while working in pre-sales and you know supporting our sales folks, I, I also you know, half the time I would do um, advocacy. I would speak at conferences, user groups, and and uh, you know doing advocacy, and then moving to to Mesosphere, uh, I, I made that a, a full-time job and. and I'm extremely grateful and thankful uh, for for that opportunity at, at Mesosphere right there. An awesome crew and uh, awesome community around that uh, open source project. And uh, um, I actually, I, I, if it would be me, I, I would never ever uh, change my job again. I, I just wanted to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Well, and that's the that's the 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 great hope for for a lot of folks you know anywhere right is that is to find a job the, the classic thing of like if you find a job you love you'll never work a day in your life exactly and exactly. and it's exactly. it's exactly. very very cool and what a, a, a such a storied background and and you really nailed a lot of it is this idea of like you've got the technical acumen but yet you can emote the story, which is more than just you know writing it down, it's you. You actually have a great way of really bringing people in and ex and exciting them about what it is that's happening. And did that come from, you know, were you a, a an outward personality before? Like, because obviously you have a, an incredible yeah. analytic mind, which. It's this near, weird dichotomy that we face all the time of being, you know, analytic versus, you know, which right. is traditionally introverted. Right. But yet having yeah, yeah. ability to be extroverted, on demand or or in in part. Right, right, right. I, I guess you know while distributed systems gesture is, is part in tongue tongue in cheeks, it's it's uh, it's actually this you know, I, I mean I sometimes uh, if my if I listen closer to what my wife says, I mean we have three kids and she says she has four kids, right? <laughs> may or may not include myself, uh, and you know like. I, I am that kind of you know outgoing and and uh, like many people uh, actually like to to listen to themselves and you know what's better than a child boy you actually get paid for listening to yourself all day right well, I mean, that's true there is that's just a bit you know over the top now but you know what I mean it's it's this uh, yes uh, enjoying being at the center of attention being uh, out there on the stage uh, in the middle of a crowd of people and uh, 
And as long as the, the stuff that you're doing and that, that you are, um, now I'm using the bad word, that you're selling, and we're always selling something, aren't we? Even if it's in, in, a, in a private setup, we're always selling something. Um, then, Regardless, then that's yeah. Great. yeah. Now, that's, that's you, but the important part of it is always the the feedback, and that's the you know whether it's we think of feedback loop in 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 every sense, especially if you look at the yeah. DevOps methodologies. But feedback is the most important thing because going out and like you said, selling or just simply just bullhorning, like just saying I'm going to tell you about stuff. Telling is one thing, but sharing is really much more of, of what you do specifically in, in looking at the way that you help to share the story and, and the journey that people are going through. And that's that, that big thing as well, right? It's if you go up and just push 40 slides and talk about what's on the slides. And then when someone raises their hand, you say, that's a great question. Let's take it offline. I've got to get through my presentation. We always talk about that right. as being the death knell for a good presentation opportunity because <laughs> it is meant to be conversational and interactive. Exactly, exactly. And that, that's why I really prefer, it sounds sometimes stupid because uh, like a lot of colleagues, like our colleagues, you know, evangelists and advocates and so on, probably, or I get the impression that, you know, more is better, right? Oh, I've been speaking in front of 500,000, 5,000, 10,000 people. I was like, oh, no, no, I, I prefer to speak in front of 10 or 15 or 20, not because I'm shy, but because the, the, the fewer there are, uh, it's, it's way easier to really do it interactive. If I'm, you know, I had talks in front of 500 people, do you think that anyone there would really, I mean, yeah, at the end, there would be a question or two, right? Someone having to walk up to a microphone for five minutes, and then queuing, and then not asking question, but that's not very interactive, right? That's not where the fun is. It's way more fun to stand in front of 20 people and to really have a dialogue um, rather than just, you know, I mean, you, you can do that online. You can do that. You, everyone can just, you know, do PowerPoint karaoke, right? That's uh, right. That, that interaction, that's, that's I, really fun. That's actually a great phrase, which I'm, I'm entirely going to steal. PowerPoint karaoke. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know where that from. <laughs> Let's circle back and talk about DCOS for a bit. That's a very interesting project. I've watched that for quite a while, uh, and, and I actually I, I wrote about it. You know, when I first saw you know what Mesosphere was doing. Uh, so maybe if you want to just sort of tell the folks around how does Mesosphere work in relation to Mesos, and what is DCOS at its core, and, and how did the open sourcing of it come about? And sorry, that's like three huge things, but let's <laughs> go in order that you would like. That, that's exactly what what people typically, when, when they you know stumble upon that, uh, actually ask themselves in, in the first place. Um, so Mesos itself, Apache Mesos, uh, has been around for quite a while. So I think around two thousand nine started at UC Berkeley. Um, and then, you know, at some point, uh, the big ones or, or more established companies um, would, would you know, use it in production. And, and Twitter was one of the main proponents. And at some point in time, said, "Right, if you uh, to the to UC Berkeley guys, Ben, ben Hankman and the others, um, if you want to want to do that, if you want to play with the big boys, you you, you gotta you know um, make sure that this this." Uh, the license uh, thing is, is cleared, and, and so it was donated to, to Apache Software Foundation, became a uh, Apache Software Foundation top-level project in 2013, if I remember correctly. And that was also the time 
where a couple of guys, which are uh, the core of our uh, exit team, so Flo, who is the CEO, and Toby, who is the CTO, and Ben, uh, one of the co-creators of, of Mesos and, and uh, our chief architect, uh, said, okay, uh, the, the experience we garnered with, uh, you know, running Mesos in production uh, in various outlets, in Twitter and Airbnb and whatnot, um, how about we, we take that and productize it because Mesos is not necessarily a very simple thing to operate and operate, you know, effectively. So how about we, we take that wonderful piece of technology and, you know, put some things around that make it actually usable and accessible and that is DCOS and the company behind it, you know, the, 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 mean, the, the, the stuff that they needed to do in order to, to actually you know, realize that is it's called Mesosphere. But the, the thing that you know, was around forever is, is Mesos and, and our contribution, the, the uh, Mesosphere's contribution to that field is the DCOS, the, the Descent Operating System. And maybe just a quick question to jump in, uh, Michael, how much of the work of Mesosphere and the Mesosphere development team feeds upstream back into the core of Mesos itself and how much of it is wrapped around Mesosphere's, you know, productized version, which is ultimately right. DCOS. Right. right. So the, the first thing that's important to know, we don't do any, you know, forks or whatever, right? We, we you know, everything, all the, the uh, Apache committers that Mesosphere has, and we're not the only ones, are people at Twitter and, and Apple and, and many, many other places. Um, that is, you know, everything upstream, right? Same for the DCOS uh, open source project. Uh, as I said, we had it for a year or so. I mean, Mesosphere itself is only three year old, right? <laughs> it's a pretty young company. Um, we, had it, uh, we had it in GA May, June last year, DCOS now, uh, almost a year later. Uh, we, we open sourced it and everything DCOS is, is uh, you know, that's, that's there. We, we don't fork it again. We just take it and add uh, the enterprise functionality around that. And we also have it organizationally clearly separated. So you have, within Mesosphere, you have the Mesos core team that, that Ben himself leads, and they really focus on Apache Mesos. They, uh, they talk with others, yes, but it is, uh, it's clearly separated. And then there is the, the DCS core team, then we have um, separate teams for uh, things like, you know, the, the data agility stuff, so Spark and Kafka and Cassandra and stuff and the developer agility stuff, so anything around uh, CICD pipelines and, and things like that. And I, I always say that open source, successful open source projects are, I always think of it in the concept of soup. You can only get so far with a fork. Mm. <laughs> and mm. people yeah. think of like forking is great because it allows you to take that snapshot, you know what you're working with, it's consistent, but ultimately we have to push that back, back to trunk, back to, you know, upstream code because what the risk is always that we're going to deviate so far and then you are now you own the whole kit and and so it's i like that approach that that you've taken another thing i really like about the way you explained it is that dcos in itself is truly an enabler for other things you know dcos is a whole is a, an amazing you know ecosystem unto itself but you're immediately building you know how does it affect the the data capabilities, right? And, and what are the other applications that consume DCOS and that work on top of that platform? So that's, I really like that approach. And again, like you said, it's Mesos in itself is, is, is a challenge to deploy. So it's, it's been really oh, yeah. exciting to watch 
the evolution of DCOS. And then let's talk about the the launch to fully open source DCOS and right. and the partner right. ecosystem that wrapped around it. Because again, that's going it alone is one thing, but seeing the build the big partner group you've built around it has been encouraging. And I see that as one of the best, the big biggest nods to the work that's been done. Right, right, right. Uh, totally agree. I um, so maybe a bit of a, a personal angle here. First, I uh, was the, the last three weeks before the launch, so essentially you know, end of March uh, until we launched on nineteenth of April. So you can do the maths there. Um, I was there uh, in San Francisco to, to work together with you know colleagues and, and partners uh, for making sure that this, this launch is successful. And we were really working as you would expect, uh, day and night. So uh, like really 15, 16 hours per day without weekends, you know, really making sure that everything uh, is delivered on time. And, and, you know, I mean, if you do something like that alone, you go like, yeah, I mean, who knows, who cares? You can do it two <laughs> or three days later. If you have 60 people or 60 partners, um, you know, companies like HP and uh, Microsoft and Cisco and many, many, many others. Uh, you don't oh, do those, that. Those little people? You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better deliver your shit on time or you're, you're done, right? So uh, that was that was quite an experience. And um, and I was just, like, when, when we launched, we had to launch due to, uh, uh, yeah, Anyways, we had to launch uh, late at night and um, like 9, 9 p.m., which is awesome, <laughs> as you can imagine. And we would sit there until 1 a.m., 2 a.m., just watching the dashboards and, and you know, ah, there's you know, Google Analytics here and that and that. Uh, and although it was, you know, late night in San Francisco and early morning in Europe and whatnot, it was just awesome, right? This this launch event that was probably one of the, uh, next to the, or, or close to, to uh, the birth of our, our three kids, it was probably, you know, it's also kind of a baby, right? If you're, if you're yeah. launching something, no matter if it's open source or not, uh, it's a baby, right? You're, you're kind of, you're at the birth of, of something great. And, and then the following weeks, obviously, you know, seeing how people you know, stream into Slack and on, on mailing list and whatever. I mean, any, any kind of, yes, you can call them vanity metrics, but this is actually, to me, this is how you get paid, right? That's why, I, I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate the money that I get for, for my work, but the real pay is in, uh, you know, people tweeting, wow, this shit is awesome, or hey, I'm in love with that, and that's something, you know, no money in the world can, can buy me that. Now, that's what's really neat, because... When we talk about launches, a lot of folks that haven't, you know, haven't necessarily been a part of it, they they see that as like the finish line, but in effect, it's really just the start line, right? This is we've created something that that is the beginning point for the next real utilization of it, right? You are you are a mind reader. That's exactly what I said uh, that evening when we had the countdown. You know, two two more hours to go and twenty minutes to go and whatnot. And it was exactly this sentiment. Everyone was like, "Hey, this is not like ah, no, now we are done. It's like now we are now this this the, the whole whole thing really starts, right? This is exactly it. It starts, not not the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the way that the project's being maintained. So of course, there's a there's a Slack channel uh, for folks that want to to find out more. Uh, you also yeah. have a Jira system, right? You're using for the uh, for yes. ticketing and maintenance. Uh, right. So anybody right. can be a part of that and contribute to it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. in fact, you've we got a great, 
there's a great backlog already there. Uh, I jumped on early, and and so that's what's that's exciting, right? Because there's a lot of people that are going, "Hey, I found a problem," and that's not necessarily that's not necessarily a bad thing. That we're finding new ways to make it effective. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I guess the main challenge now is uh, the governance uh, model. We, we've put, and, and I've invested quite some, some time as well to, to get that into a good shape. But it's still, so I, I heard, I think it was Adrian Collier. Yeah, uh, he said that, uh, formerly CTO of, of uh, Spring and, and other, and, and I think uh, Pivotal and, and other uh, fabric and, and other uh, areas. And he said that it's his keynote at Container Schedule the other day. Um, single um, vendor open source is the new closed source, and that is something that <laughs> you know, scares, scares me shitless. I, I, I really, like, uh, that's what I, the main thing that we need to make sure, like, yeah, you can, can do it in a way like Google did with Kubernetes, you know, parking it in a, in a, in a, a foundation, a Linux foundation. Uh, you can uh, go ways like Apache Software Foundation, like we're, we're trying to explore different options to make sure that it's, I mean, it's clear we donated that to the open source, but we certainly don't want to be the only, you know, committers or whatever. So we have, I think, a, we found a way to, to um, enable people to contribute. And I, I personally, you know, made sure that, that there is an even lower barrier. It's called DCUS Labs. It's a separate, uh, GitHub organization where I'm I'm actually actively scouting. I'm actually looking around what people do and say, hey, don't you want to do that in DCS Labs? You, you keep full control. You only require that you have a, a, a license there, um, and that is kind of like the, the onboarding to make it even easier to you know you don't even you can bring whatever you have as long as it's you know somehow related to DCS. Um, and and. But that's that's the big challenge right now, right? Because there is such an interest, because there are many people that want to contribute and, and have the directions and have their thoughts and, and you know input uh, that we actually you, you can't make everyone every, all, all the time happy. I'm, I'm aware of that, but you want to you want to do the right thing, right? You want to you want to uh, enable people to contribute. And that's that's a very interesting thing because. I was at uh, Interop and there was a panel and we had some great panelists talking about open source. Uh, John O'Bacon uh, was there and he was talking, I think, I believe he said it, uh, or it might have been Sean Roberts. Uh, and they said, putting your project on GitHub isn't open source. Like that's that's not the core of open source. It, open source is around building a community that contributes and allows it to thrive. How, how do you... How do you make that happen, Michael? Like, you you guys had a great partner ecosystem, but for folks that want to just get started with something, how do you how do you start building and building awareness and making it exciting for people to be a part of that? You know, Eric, I wish I, I had an answer to that. If I if I would know, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> all the problems would be solved. I, I don't know. We 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 are. It's it's a new thing, right? We haven't done that before. Um, we are trying to learn from, from other communities, what other people have reported, what works, what doesn't work. We're doing a lot of experiments, uh, just you know, trying out stuff. Do people uh, like that or that? And, and the only thing that is clear in terms of sentiment, in terms of the, the general attitude um, of, of you know, how we go about it, is that we, 
we want to be very, very inclusive, that we want to be very, very transparent. Uh, I'm not saying that we're always reaching that. that there is certainly, I noticed that, uh, and I, I think that's a challenge, right? If you, if you, for example, if you contrast that with communities, which was, you know, launched as an open source project, and DCOS, which was one year, uh, almost one year, a, a closed source project, right. which also has advantages, right? We, we were able to very, very, uh, there's this wonderful African um, saying, uh, if you want to move fast, move alone. If you want to move long or a far distance, then you, you better, you're better off in a group. Right. And, and that's very true, right? If you're, if you want to, you know, quickly move somewhere, if you want to push your agenda very, very quickly, you're probably better off alone. Uh, but that's not very sustainable, right? And you stay alone. And, and you really want to want to grow. You want to you know you grow with your community, and, and that's that's a challenge. I'm not saying that we have the answers. We, we, I'm happy if, <laughs> if we're asking the right questions, to be honest. And that that in itself is you know, and it's funny you know the idea of like how do we do it? it we've we've seen it happen well, and we've seen it be challenged. Where to the point where you know many many open source projects tended to. You know, fall stale, and that's that was that happened a lot, you know, years ago. And but I find that we're getting better as community in general of aligning with other things that are going on. It is tough because when you want to start something new, the first thing you should do is look around because there's probably somebody else doing it, and that's probably the difference with what what you've done you know with the team at mesosphere obviously there's a there's a commercial sides to you know building services and 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 other other you know pieces that are commercial offerings around it in the same way that you also like the docker did the same thing right docker is a product and it's also a company and there's an open source arm and then there's a commercial offering that that wraps other things around it whether it's services or or enhanced you know proprietary uh, management pieces. So if, if we don't mind, I'd like to ask, what is the commercial difference to what Mesosphere brings to the, the project versus what DCOS you can get just by, you know, pulling it down and, and deploying it yourself? Right, right, right. Very, very valid question. Also something I, I you know, uh, hear quite often uh, when I'm out there. So essentially it boils down to that there are a number of enterprise features in the current version 1.7. Uh, these are mainly around security, networking, and monitoring. In the upcoming 1.8 version, there would be a, quite a number more um, that we have identified being very, very relevant for uh, enterprises. So one one example there, um, in the open source version, the authentication and user management part is essentially based on, well, you have the auth thing and you have an email, the first one that reaches the dashboard, the DCS dashboard is more or less the, the first administrator can invite others essentially by providing an email and then you can manually add users and provide access to your cluster. Very flat, very, very simple and probably sufficient for, uh, you know, a startup or whatever. Uh, single single users, a small group, or whatever. In an enterprise setup, and that's what the enterprise uh, edition in this specific uh, domain provides, uh, you have LDAP integration. So you would have your, I don't know, your Active Directory, you would plug it in, uh, you would get your users, and on top of that, you would define 
um, role-based uh, access control uh, using or leveraging the uh, marathon groups. So you would say, if someone is in marketing, would see this application. If someone is in the data science team, would get access to or can deploy more Kafka brokers or what have you. So, yeah. It, I like the, the enterprise focus, and, and that's what a lot of people lose sight of, you know, while we love to do what we do, like you said, for the passion and enjoyment of doing it, the reality is that we have to, we have to get salaries, we have to support other people, and, and we have to support business, businesses around it. You know, I always go back to, uh, you know, open nebula and this, this challenge around where there is a business that Unfortunately, you know, that suffered in the face of, of a, a difficult market and, and perhaps a challenged business model. And then they, the, the company itself shuttered, but yet the product and the project itself continued to live on. And, and a lot of people said, well, there you go. That's, that's a sign that OpenStack was failing. <laughs> like, well, no, no, because there's a difference between running a, a commercial business that maybe has uh, the right customer audience and, and enterprise. I always air quotes, you know, capital E enterprise is a really interesting market because there are, there is more care and feeding required. There are, you know, third party integrations with authentication and authorization is probably the biggest area. So it's a lot of people, we as, you know, developers and creators of, of products, we like to say like, yeah, this is really cool. This is great what we're doing. Now, how do we pay for it? And the truth is, Enterprises have distinct requirements that mm-hmm. uh, that f- lead us. I won't say they force us, but it leads us to have to do things a little differently than maybe we thought was in that initial roadmap of like, yeah. it should just work. Like, well, it also has to work with ServiceNow and with other things, right? There, like, there's enterprise features that are that are very important in order to make it viable as a as a business offering to get longevity. Right, 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 and you can, I mean, uh, it's, you know, security, obviously, but there are a number of compliancy things, whatever that, uh, I don't know, in fintech or, or healthcare or whatever. Um, it's not that these companies actually, you know, choose to, to do that, right? They, they're forced to do it. They need, to, in order to operate, they need to comply with certain things, right? Be it, you know, data protection or Chinese walls or whatever it is, whatever the, the vertical of the industry requires you to do. Quite often, you know, um, multinational or, or you know, like EU regulations or whatever. Um, and that is something that, again, at, at the end of the day, you can say, all right, um, from, a, from any given perspective, you say, all right, I take the DCOS open source project and I have the engineering power, I have the engineering muscle to actually bolt on these features, these, these things that I need in order to operate my business myself, which is fair. I, I you know, that, that's cool with me. Um, but then you should also ask yourself, is that my core business? And if I'm a, you know, yes, software is eating the world, but it doesn't mean that uh, every company now needs to be a, I don't know, Mesos or Docker or whatever right. uh, engineering uh, <laughs> foundry, right? So it, it, it's it's cool to use that and then to you know use this this open source the, the openness in terms of hey if there is if there is something going on and I don't want to pay Mesos here anymore I can totally go you know in there myself and fix that because it's open source. Um, but I need 
probably to to think twice if I should implement I don't know uh, LDAP or, or whatever it is uh, myself or if I if I'm forking out a few bucks to to pay us and and with you know uh, hot fixes and then support and then all that expertise uh, at hand. Yeah, that's the that's a big portion and and what folks are figuring out now is that by having an open source ecosystem that backs uh, a product that has also has commercial backing it means that everybody else that's going to consume this product is contributing back by teaching us as a community to build feature sets so if company a you know required active directory with you know role based authentication then that means that company b that wasn't ready to take the ecosystem on all of a sudden that it shows up as a feature and now company D, C, D, et cetera, et cetera, everybody gets, gets a win from that first one leading the charge with, with building out a feature set. So, because the world doesn't live on OAuth, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, while, <laughs> while it became a, a broad standard, when you move into those on-premises enterprise data centers, it, it's not OAuth inside. It's, it's the reality is it's going to be LDAP. It's going to be, Active Directory, and yeah. it's very, very Absolutely. easy. Uh, another thing I, I always think of the effort, and and you can maybe touch on this. It I spend you know fifteen twenty hours working on some kind of a, a nifty set of scripts to be able to spin up a small lab. I document out in a blog to show how I did it, and then I publish it to GitHub. And then the next thing I think is, all right, I'm going to create my contributing file to help people so that if they want to add to it. And I will probably spend four weeks developing the contributing documents because that's around governments and, and you know management of, of updates. I think... Personally, that's one of the most challenging parts of hosting a true open source platform is, and you talked about it before, with, with creating a governance model. How, how do you see it working, you know, and maybe have you seen it work before? Have you seen it fail before? What's your experience, Michael, around creating that governance model and, you know, allowing people to successfully contribute and, and make it easier to consume? So I believe we have a number of, of examples there, and, and I have myself um, not necessarily the you know, software um, like communities that produce software in, in the first place, but uh, in a different uh, context. I've been working in W3C and IETF and in other places uh, where it was more about like we would write specifications and as a, as a secondary thing to, to you know check if these specifications actually make sense with the implementations but it would be uh, very very similar requirements things like you know how do you actually get consensus how do you you know um, how do you steer people in a certain direction with, with enabling everyone to, to input uh, what, what they know best, right? There might be, you know, networking experts here and security experts there and, and so on and so forth. Everyone is like, you know, uh, contributing what, what they know best. Um, so in that sense, I, I've been contributing myself, uh, mainly in, in the Apache Software Foundation context. Uh, this is what I, I really, I, I kind of, you know, grew up in that uh, area, uh, W3C and, and uh, ASF. Um, 
And I still believe that this ASF model, the Apache Software Foundation, is still a very um, good and and uh, valuable one. However, I also I mean, that that was one of the challenges we had. Essentially, we could have directly gone with with Apache, right? Um, but it, it assumes a certain model, a certain way how to run things. And while that's okay for, for example, Apache Drill that right. I started with, um, which is you know that one thing, that one tool that you that you use. Uh, in our case, because it's a whole platform, uh, I mean, we've already seen that with with uh, Hadoop, right? It is kind of a corner case because it's if you look at it, what Hadoop vendors do and and given that I've been working at a head of window for two and a half years, I think I know a little bit about it. <laughs> you have um, a little familiarity. <laughs> a little familiar. Uh, it's not exactly fitting this 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 boilerplate, this this idol of, a, of an Apache project anymore because it's so broad. There are so many sub-projects. There are like 20, 30, 40, 50 different projects really within one Hadoop distribution. Uh, so while you can argue, ah, well, you know, the Hadoop project is still, you know, MapReduce, but which one? MapReduce one or MapReduce two or CDR? Is CDR included? Yes, Hortonworks access. So, so it, it must be. And yeah, but HDFS. So what is really Hadoop? <laughs> that has changed from 2006 to 16, definitely. I'm not criticizing things. I'm just saying it is not the model that. I mean, where does Apache come from? Well, because some people wanted to have a place where they, you know, threw together patches for a web server, which right. turned out to be a patchy server, right? And, um, and and that's that's the question to me, like, can, and then we're not alone, right? There, there are many others, like, everyone seems to be, you know, building a platform these days, so <laughs> can other uh, platform-y uh, open source projects that are not necessarily just one tool bit somewhere, but a, a bigger thing, can they happily and, and effectively work in the context of Apache? And if so, and hopefully we, we can contribute to that direction, then, then yes, we should totally do that. I, think yeah. I, mean, I definitely agree. It's it's one of those things that it's it's neat to watch it evolve. And you know, for the longest time, it's it's been this this fight over is it GPL versus uh, Apache licensing. And there's that that we could do a whole a whole episode on on that in itself because that's an interesting challenge. And there's legalities that are wrapped around it, which it's it's tough that we have to merge that as to you know running a platform and and whatnot. But uh, so unfortunately we're we're winding up to time, Michael. I want to right. thank you for for this great chat today, and for thank folks you. that want to connect with you online uh, beyond and continue the conversation. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, many, many. So uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, well. Google Plus not because they force uh, to use first name last name, but pretty much everywhere else, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, wherever, uh, M Hausen Plus. So the first letter of my first name and then my last name, M Hausen Plus. Um, same, you know, my website mhausenplus.info. Um, the only exception is my email is michael at dcsio, dcs.io. Um, and uh, or, or try our community Slack like, uh, dcs. Uh, uh, sorry chat. I'm hanging out there as as often as I can. 
Excellent. And thanks. Yeah, it's, it's been great to chat with you. I've, I've been lucky enough to have done some other things, uh, you know, around the project. And, and it's, it's great to see your you know, continued activity. And so hopefully folks will have a chance to see you at a live event at some point soon, because you're a great uh, speaker and, uh, and a great community advocate. So it's been a pleasure to, to have you on the show today. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thank thanks, you. Michael. Cheers. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.